This is Camp Life, The Other Side. A bi-weekly podcast for summer camp professionals. Hosted by Kelly Cook and Natalie Hamilton. Now it's time to explore the other side of summer camp. Welcome back to another episode of Scamp Life, The Other Side. I am Kelly Cook, and with me as always is Natalie. Hello. And today we are talking to Adam Baranker. Uh, he was down at tri- down at Tri-State. I guess that's up from where we are in uh, Alabama. <laughs> up at Tri-State, down maybe from where you were, Adam. But uh, he did an awesome Gen Z panel that uh, we are going to kind of recap for you today and kind of dive into uh, Gen Z and summer camp. So I'll let Adam introduce himself. Welcome, Adam. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. Um, so yeah, a little bit about me. Um, you know, like you guys said, my name is Adam. Um, my full-time job is I am an assistant director at Jeff Lake Day Camp in Northern New Jersey. Um, the crazy fun fact that I always like to give is this will be my 31st summer there, and I'm 34 years old. Uh, so born and raised. Um, my sister went to sleepaway camp and loved it. I was that homesick kid who didn't even want to try it. Um, But the one cool thing about Jeff Lake, even today, is that we do have a lot of older campers. So I was I felt like I was able to really grow up at Jeff Lake, even though I didn't go to sleepaway camp, um, which is really special to me. And I'm also the youth engagement coordinator at Temple Sherry Tefilo Israel in South Orange, New Jersey, running all of their eighth through 12th grade programming, which is really where I do, I think, the most work with teens during the camp off season, as we like to call it. Um, And then last but not least is I have my own kind of trivia um, and event hosting business where I do corporate events, um, birthday parties, different celebrations, running game nights and all the stuff that camp directors love to do. Uh, So those are those are kind of the three branches of my professional life. Awesome. Awesome. So could you kind of give us for those who did not attend, even though I thought it was a phenomenal panel, but also a phenomenal conference. Can you kind of give us a quick recap of the Gen Z panel um, that you hosted for everyone? Yep, sure. So Kelly and Natalie, I had a dream session (laughs) at (laughs) Tri-State. I spoke for many years, but I always wanted to do some kind of teen conversation just for me. And I really mean this with all sincerity. When I work with this age group, I don't ever want to talk for them. You know, Gen Z is so capable of getting their own message out there that I sometimes felt like when I was running a teen session about Gen Z, it can't be as authentic as hearing it from them themselves. But I really could never figure out how to get a group of teens down to Atlantic City for the week uh, to to do the panel. So in 2020, um, the Tri-State Cam Conference partnered with um, the New England uh, chapter to do the Northeast CAM conference, which is a virtual conference. And I said to myself, I was like, this is it. This is my moment. I can get six teens on Zoom very easily that I can get them down to Atlantic City. So we did that in 2020. It went so well. I was so proud of the teens that participated. And then that kind of kicked me a little bit to say, all right, I really want to figure out how to get this um, at Tri-State. So we were able to pull it off. We had six teens come down. Um, I think like you guys mentioned before from just even being there, which was so sweet. They spoke beautifully. They really got the message out there. There were some really interesting questions from the crowd. I think some trying to press them a little bit on their generation and some in support. Um, but I was really happy with the end product. I thought it was, um, it was the dream was fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I would say like most of the audience, because I was in that that audience, most of us were millennials and older. Like I don't think there were anyone from the Gen Z um you know, generation that was in the audience, which was kind of, well, there might've been a couple, but there weren't many. It was mostly millennials and older, which was kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, I think the questions that they were asking were almost as if I set them up because I think they were so a couple of them. And if anyone's listening to this podcast, it's all with full support, but some of the questions were so out of touch, I think, with what Gen Z is doing and and how they're going to be working at, as your staff and as your older campers, that I think that the room was able to really learn a lot from some of those questions that Gen Z, I think the panel really answered perfectly. And honestly, you know, one of the things that I look back on, I don't know if you remember, but someone asked, like, is it weird if I'm trying to be cool on TikTok with my staff? And I turned to the panel, I said, raise your hand if you think it's cringy, if like camps are putting out too many TikToks and every hand went up. And I looked at the crowd, I was like, that was not planned. You know, it was like, they were just being as honest as they could be, which I thought was really cool. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't get to go to Tri-State, but Kelly had told me about, this is one of her favorite sessions to attend when she was there this past year. And I think it's a great lead in from our previous episode where we were talking about the the survey that we had done with some of our local high school students here and a lot of the trends that we were seeing in the survey were also kind of brought up in that panel that you did for tri-state so lots of great crossover so we're excited to kind of dive more into it so one of the things that kelly had mentioned um, that she had heard from the from the panel <clears throat> And also that, again, we're seeing from that survey, it revolved kind of around communication and how Gen Z it liked to be communi communicated with. And in the panel, a lot of them had said that they, they need some kind of specific action item within the, the communication they have. So is that something you can kind of dive more into? Yeah, you know, I think one thing that I didn't have in my head before the panel, but the panel kind of flipped for me, was they are getting so much information to their phone. They have their texting to their phone, their email, their Instagram DMs, their Snapchat group chats, regular phone calls, like everything is right there on the phone. When I was a millennial camp counselor, for me, I had my email come to my computer that I could only check when I logged on and texting my first cell phone, I think, remember there was like an inbox and an outbox for your text messages. It, like, <laughs> yes. was, it, wasn't, it wasn't even in conversations, right? So yep. like it wasn't, it wasn't something that we accessed as much as Gen Z is accessing. So I think what they were really saying is that I can't keep up with all of this. And I'm not saying that that's right. You know, there's organizational tools out there. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that uh, one of the teens said on the panel that really stuck with me was like, set up the the conversation for like the following week right so if we have an interview or if we have to do a check-in or something send me an email or a text that says can you talk any of these days next week so then they can kind of line it up they probably put it in their family calendar i think where gen z gets caught and i i feel this as a camp director is when i'm texting them you know cold turkey and expecting a response right away who knows when they're even going to open that text message. But if I send a text message that says, you know, hey, Kelly, I really think we need to check in on this one staffing thing. Are you available next Tuesday at 10 or Wednesday at 11? That might just like have them take a deep breath and be like, okay, 
Adam's my camp director. I'm a little intimidated by him at times because he's my boss, but he doesn't need an answer right now. I can tell him, and you know, I think that was a big one for me. And then the other little nugget that kind of came out of it was that I think that when they get a phone call, it's a little bit of like the ego boost that I think Gen Z is looking for sometimes that if they get a phone call, they're saying, oh, wow, like my camp director really needs an action item from me right now. If they're picking up the phone and calling, this is real. It's face to face. I have to put on, you know, a, a virtual verbal smile. I don't know what you call that when you can hear that someone's positive on the other end of the phone. But I think if we're, if we're just sending these text messages and emails, they're going to get lost in the algorithm of their phone. And I know that older generations might think that sounds unorganized, but I think that might just be a nature of cell phones. And I think we have to kind of be okay with that. You know, they have a lot of stuff coming to their, their one little device. What was interesting too, is they also um, mentioned like having an NR, NRN, so no response needed. Um, because I don't, I don't know if it was you or someone else in the audience mentioned how like, when we ask them that, okay, we're going to do Hawaiian shirt Friday and you tell everybody you're to wear a Hawaiian shirt, but no one responds to you. And then everybody shows up in a Hawaiian shirt. So like right. having like a, a no response needed or just send a thumbs up or, or something just to acknowledge that you've seen it. Yeah. I'm going to use NRN a lot this summer. That was actually stolen right from one of my teens because I do, I can think back to last summer there and you know, I am a day camp. So I, I do have the ability to text them at night differently mm-hmm. than a sleep boy camp might. But I can think about times where I really had some stuff that called for no response and that's totally fine. But then I had things that called for an immediate response. And I don't think I did my job as a camp director at differentiating those two, right? I never said this really calls for a response, this doesn't. And I think that, listen, if, if I get a better product out of my staff and I have to do some of these little tips and tricks to get it, that's no sweat off my back. I can I can hear some camp directors in the back of my head that might be like, <laughs> Ah, it's another thing I have to remember to type NRN, but I almost want to say to them, if it's going to get you the response you need, go for it. You know, I might put a post-it on my computer this summer that says NRN, so I don't forget about it. And then it's a little daily (laughs) reminder, you know, I'm I'm all about daily reminders. So I think that, you know, that was, that was a great nugget from the panel for sure. Awesome. So many of the students um, also mentioned, you know, talking about communication still, that they actually preferred phone calls, which was interesting. You kind of just touched on that over text message. However, in this lovely hiring phase that we are all going through and struggling through and and fighting our way through, I have actually gotten more responses from text message than, Mm -hmm. than phone or email or anything like that. So what has been your experience when communicating with Gen Z in terms of getting a response out of them? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, I think that I can almost see the phone call system working more when they're already yours. So they're hired, maybe they've already worked one summer. So you have that rapport. So they know, oh, Adam Baranker is calling. I'm going to answer this phone call. I do think that when you're first starting the process, it's funny, I'm going to almost contradict myself a little bit because this might sound (laughs) a little old school, but I actually like my first contact to be email. Mm -hmm. I think there's something like, I almost feel like from a mentorship standpoint, I am doing a little like real life expectation mentoring when I send that first email because it feels really polished and organized and it's how most of the professional world works. 
But then the funny thing is, if I don't get a response in 24 hours, I'm texting them, you know? So it's <laughs> <Yep>. like, <laughs> I'm, I'm totally, I'm contradicting myself. But I will say, so if I'm, I'm using job recruiting websites or if someone applies, you know, right through my website, if I send an email, I usually do get a response via email uh, pretty quickly. The other thing too, is I'm super clear in my email with what I'm expecting, which I think I've learned right from Gen Z. So I even always say now in all of my emails, um, that the Zoom interview should last no more than 15 minutes. So I always say that because I think for Gen Z, they are overscheduled. They're figuring out their day. There's a little anxiety that comes with their schedule. So for me to email them right off the bat and for them to know, all right, this is actually only going to be 15 minutes. I can sneak this interview in right here. I think is actually a good tip for our camp directors because in this hiring crisis that we're living in, we need these staff to apply and see through the interview and if they know that it's only 15 minutes and that kind of doesn't sound that intimidating you might get them through the finish line a little bit faster so that's kind of my tactic i do think text message works um you know i think that that is something that they see but what was kind of interesting is a lot of the teams that i've worked with have told me that they don't have their text notifications on on their phone which like blows my mind because i live and breathe off my text message app but they're dming on instagram and their group chats are on snapchat I, I actually said this during the panel, and I think now a month plus later, I still feel the same way, is I don't know that there is a right answer to this question, which might be frustrating for some people. But I, I think that, once again, I feel like I'm circling back a little bit, but because there's so many ways to communicate now on cell phones, I think every teen is different. I think what what works for every, and like that might just be something for us that might be frustrating for the next couple of years until it kind of baselines itself a little bit, but I haven't figured out the secret sauce to communication yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm still struggling yeah. with the text message thing. I know yeah. Nat, are you? <laughs> I, it pains me when I have to text a, a staff member about something because I, it is in my brain. No, that's not professional. That's not how we do things. And so trying to break that mold is, is hard. Also, age myself I didn't know you could turn off your text message notification so <laughs> I didn't even know that was a possibility yeah. Fun fact. well Natalie all joking aside though one thing that's interesting about that which is when I actually think when I have phrased it this way for some camp directors it takes down their kind of mm -hmm. anxiety about the professionalism a little bit is that I message now which most people do have iPhones I don't want to generalize mm -hmm. but it just is the way of the world I message is just another app on the yeah. phone, mm -hmm. right? When we first had cell phones, text messages, it wasn't really an app. It was just, we either made a phone call or we sent a text. Mm -hmm. Now, I think they see iMessage as just another app on their phone. They have, you know, Instagram, they have iMessage, they mm -hmm. have Doodle Jump or whatever game they're playing. <laughs> so if you want to turn your iMessage notifications off, I think they just see it as an app, which I think then yeah. on the flip side, for us as camp directors shouldn't seem invasive or too personal because it is just an app. You know, I think camp directors five plus years ago were nervous about texting me because then it gave out their personal cell phone number. Mm -hmm. But what is it? What is a personal cell phone number anymore? You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's like, we're all, we're all doing everything on our phone. I, I call most people from my personal cell phone for work related stuff. So I mm -hmm. think, I think text messaging is an okay way to communicate and doesn't take our professionalism down at all. Yeah. Real quick, before we jump to the next question, do you think we are moving towards Instagram DMs as a like true form of communication as opposed to text message or email? 
Kelly, that is a great question. <laughs> uh, so here, that kind of my... scares me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> here, yeah. So here's my answer to that. I think it is two different spaces, two different branches of your company. I think text messaging is still kind of like when we need real information, it kind of feels like an email. It's curated into one space. I do a lot of good work on Instagram DM from almost like a marketing standpoint. So if I see that a member of my staff or camper did a Jeff Lake post, I'll DM them and say, oh, I love it. You know, hashtag 66 days till camp, all that kind of stuff. I keep it light. I'm never Instagram DMing someone and being like, you know, hey, Natalie, um, I think tomorrow when you're with your group, you need to participate a little bit more. Like to me, <laughs> that doesn't feel like an Instagram DM. But I think from a marketing standpoint and like a almost like a cultivating your community during the off season, Instagram, Instagram is a really, it's a one-stop shop for mm -hmm. them. You know, Gen Z is getting their brands, their friends, their news all through Instagram. So I think from a marketing standpoint, it's a really great tool, but I'm not sure I would ever shift over to like real staff content um, on Instagram, but I do, I do like to just make people feel good with it. Yeah. So yeah. So if we're switching away from communication a little bit, there's another interesting topic that got brought up on the panel was, and is from what I've been told, it wasn't from the audience initiated. It was from the panel initiated this conversation about their lack of motivation and their kind of lack of an attention span. And so how have you kind of seen, seen that affecting your recruitment, hiring and, and commitment with this generation going forward? Yeah, you know, I think one thing that I love about Gen Z uh, is that they are super self-aware. Um, I think more so than millennials and Gen X um, and boomers, you know, Gen Z, they get it. They get themselves. They, I think they are also super woke for just like what happened to them for the past two years pandemic wise, social justice wise, politically, like they had the trifecta these past two years in a <laughs> oh, way, yeah, they have. you know, we, we had some pretty serious stuff happen, you know, when we were teens for the millennial generation, but it seems to have really been compounded the past couple of years. And I think because of that, there, there were such an easy way to be laid back during the pandemic for them. And it had its positives, right? People always said it was such a nice pause for people. But, you know, I had a counselor this past summer who told me that he took a nap in between every class while he was virtual for school. So he would log on for science, take a nap, log on for math, take a nap. And that was his day. So I don't mean to keep going back. But once again, as a product of the pandemic, this unmotivation or kind of ease in their schedule I think is just where they are because of where they came from. So I, you know, I can picture one of my staff members who's a prospective staff member, you know, I email them to set up an interview, but they're in the middle of that Netflix show. And they're like, you know what, I'll get back to that email tomorrow because what does it matter? I'll get to it eventually. And then I never hear from them again because it falls off their radar. So while I think they're almost one of the most motivated generations in terms of how they interact with the world and the environment and the people around them and, and how up they are on current events. I also think on the flip side, the pandemic made us all lazy. It made my, my social battery change drastically. So I think for them, it's so easy for them to kind of lean into just the Netflix show on the, uh, you know, on the couch or 
the group chat they're in on their phone that decompresses them at night to just talk with friends that I don't know if they're getting to all the other stuff they need to get to because we've almost gotten so good at relaxing for better, for lack of a better term. I think one thing that was really interesting that I heard a sleepaway cam talk about at Tri-State this year was they mentioned that they made their evening activities shorter. So their evening activities used to be like two to two and a half hours. And they saw this past summer that because of this pandemic social battery, their kids and their staff weren't making it that long. So what they did was they changed it to an hour which I think is so interesting too, because right, everything Gen Z is getting is a 30 second TikTok or a 15 second Instagram video. So an hour you know, evening activity might be perfect for this generation now because that's all their social battery can handle. Everything is so quick. They can swipe away something when they think it's not filling their needs anymore. So I think from a social battery standpoint, I do think we'll come out of that as we get back to more full-time school and more full-time social plans. But I know for me as a camp director and an adult, I'm still feeling a little depleted. So I think this summer at camp, we're definitely going to still see a little bit of that COVID-19 pandemic battery um, rear its head at camp once again. Yeah, I mean, even for us, there's there's times where like we'll have a small group out here and it's great. We love it during during the time they're here and then they leave and we're like, oh, my gosh, thank God they're gone. Like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. <laughs> we had a group um, out here just the other day that was only here for like three hours. And I mean, uh, you saw me, Natalie, after that group, yes. I hardly did anything. And I was just like, all right, I'm done for the day. Like, can I go yeah. home now? <laughs> yep. So I we we're we're at fault for it too. It's definitely not just something that this next generation is is dealing with by any means. So we're a business, and we at least Natalie and I like to preach that we are still a business, and what we do is is very business like, even though we are fun and camp, and we could show up to work in a onesie and nobody bats an eye. However, wh- how do you feel the? parental involvement from the pandemic, from everything we've kind of talked about, has affected our applicants this year? And kind of how should we still go about that? Um, You know, they talked about FOMO at Tri-State, the fear of missing out and everything like that. And so I'm just kind of curious kind of where you see this going and what, what we should do about it. You know, I think as camp directors, we are in the business of mentorship. And how much mentorship can I really do for my staff if there is parent involvement? That being said, in the pandemic, our staff and our older campers were living with their, whoever their guardians are full time, right? And I've had some funny conversations about how we have social constructs in our country dating back decades that I think were a positive that made families not be together full-time, right? Kids go to school, parents go to work, and you come together and you have dinner together at night and catch up. And being together 24-7, I don't think is how family is supposed to function. But with that said, how can I really remove some of the parental guidance when it's been full-time the past two years? And like I said, we might cycle out of that. So my big thing is if I get a parent email with a staffing question or an attachment to a form they had to fill out, I will always reply full stop 100%, you know, dear Mrs. Blank or Mr. Blank, I think it's really important for you to start transitioning this communication to your child. It's great life skills, yada, yada, yada. 
and then I never hear from that parent again. That being said, three years ago, pre-pandemic, I would have gotten really frustrated by that email, right? And frustrated by that parent and that staff member. I don't let myself get frustrated anymore. There, there has been full-time parenting that's been happening in a way it may have never happened in our nation's history because of the pandemic. So I think that us as CAM directors have to take a little bit of a deep breath and understand that parents have been so hyper-involved the past two years with just trying to keep their kids sane, right? Like, you know, there is a lot of anxiety and mental health issues that came out from, you know, just a product of being home. And I think, you know, I'm not a parent yet, but I, I bow down to the parents out there that really did an amazing job to just keep their kids afloat. Um, so I think to like completely remove them from the process feels a little inauthentic. I've been floating the idea, I haven't landed on it yet, of maybe doing a parent Zoom for parents of staff before camp starts. Totally optional. If I get three parents and those are three parents that feel like they want the information, great, we'll have a little powwow. And then it could be 20 parents. But I think that, I do think that the family structure has changed a little bit because of the pandemic. And, you know, we are, our job as camp directors is always to pivot. So we got to kind of stay floating upstream a little bit. That's an interesting idea of doing a parent panel. All right. So a lot of, a lot of the things that I feel like came out of the panel and also some of the things that we're talking about and we keep, you know, ragging on Gen Z can, can be perceived as kind of negatives of the generation. So on the flip side, what are some positives that you have seen, you know, working with this group specifically? What are some, some positive uplifting things we can look forward to and get excited about working with Gen Zs over the next couple of years? Yeah, Natalie, I love that you asked that question because I am the biggest supporter of Gen Z. Um, I joked during the panel at Tri-State that I think I was born during the wrong generation. <laughs> I, my personality feels more in line with Gen Z than it does with the millennial generation I grew up in. I think they're more accepting. I think that they, like, I would have loved, like, the whole Instagram of it all when I was in, you know, middle school. I always loved taking pictures, and that, like, wasn't a big thing when I was in middle school and high school. Like, no one really took pictures. I, I will say, though, I have been frustrated with their generation during the pandemic because I think that they did take a hit. And some of the things I loved about them, I do think took a hit. But to name just a couple, I think they are the first really accepting generation of individuality. Um, and like, listen, I said, I've said this in panels before that you know, this is not to say that every Gen Zer is has like a clean resume that they don't they don't speak badly about other people or they don't have, you know, views that might not be in line with my views, but you can really be your own person now in high school and dress how you want to dress and listen to the music you want to listen to. And I think it's really accepted. And I think uniqueness is kind of something that is seen as cool. Like I think that like Gen Z actually doesn't like followers, you know, like I feel like when I was in high school, if you played the sport, that was your friends. If you were in this club, that was your friends. And it kind of felt like a pack mentality. And I don't think that Gen Z has that pack mentality anymore as much. And I think that that's a huge benefit. I also love just how socially woke they are. Um, I'm jealous how much access they have to current events and social justice campaigns just by nature of the device that they have in their hand. Um, and I think that they just come with a great view of the world and they like to debate and 
I do think that actually makes our job as camp directors a little challenging because we have to be open to having some difficult conversations during the summer and during orientation because Gen Z is ready for it. If they think that they're working at a place that doesn't value equity or diversity and they, they shy away from the conversations because they're scared to have them, I think you'll have staff that quit for lack of a better term because I think Gen Z loves to know that the surrounding that they're in is a brave space to have conversations and debate and learn more about each other in a way that millennials and Gen Xs didn't really get that deep into. Yeah. 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 It's inter interesting you say that because in the survey that we had did that I had done previously, one of the questions we asked them was, you know, what, what are you, what are you valuing out of your employer in any capacity, whether it's seasonal, full-time, year-round, whatever case, what is, what is the, some of the important characteristics of an employer that you are looking for? And the, by far the most common answers were around open, honest communication, mm -hmm. um, feeling valued and feeling that they have a good relationship with their employer, more so than what the work they are doing, but really that open, honest communication and being able to feel like they are being heard in their, in their employee setting mm -hmm. is what the majority of them said they were, that valued the most. Yeah, you know, going right off of that, Natalie, one of my teams said on the panel that they need to know that camp now has transferable skills. That's a big mm -hmm. thing for Gen Z. So like for me as a camp director, when I'm going up to a counselor, I have my checklist, right, of what I need to get done. I need this staff member to solve this problem so I can call that parent and put a pin in it before I go to sleep. And that's really selfish, right? That does nothing from a mentorship standpoint for that Gen Z counselor. But now I've kind of flipped it through listening to the panel and kind of Natalie, what you just said about the survey is that if I go up to that staff member and I give them an action item, maybe they're struggling with one of the campers in their group from a personality standpoint. And I say to them, you know, here's how you're going to solve this problem. And imagine when you have a job and you're going to have a boss that you don't get along with. You might use the same skills that you just used with this camper with that boss in the future. And now that counselor is saying, huh, this day camp job that I thought I was just going to play on a lake all day is giving me some life skills for the future. I'm still getting what I need done as a camp director, right? I'm still solving that problem so I can, you know, put it to bed, but I'm also giving my counselor a mentorship boost that I think Gen Z is really craving. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, we had a returner apply that honestly, at this point in the game, we did not think that she was going to be coming back. And uh, I love when those pop up. Yes, <laughs> we do too. Anyway, I spoke to her because with our, with our returners this year, we had a handful that we had said, like, you've got pretty much an automatic position for the most part. And she was one of them. And, but I still called her to touch base with her, see, you know, kind of like a, a quick phone interview. And she mentioned that she didn't realize that being at camp last summer, which was her first year, how much she was going to get out of the, the job, the experience and everything like that for life skills. And so she's really excited to return this year to be able to, in, like, to grow on that, to build on what she started. Yeah. And, you know, I think on the flip side too, I'm really kind of tough on my staff in some ways for those life skills as well. You know, we had a couple of counselors that like really did not handle the rehiring process well this year. 
Um, they were not responsive. They weren't like professional in their responses. And for me, I was like, I can kind of swipe this under the rug and be like, it's Gen Z, it's the pandemic, we're depleted, all that good stuff. And I was like, no, like this is a life skill. You are a employer of a camp, then you did not follow through the way that you should have. And I'm going to let you know that. And I'm going to be a little tough. And I think that like, I'm not trying to be the principal, right? I still want to be the camp director that everyone thinks they can come to for mentorship and have an open door. But I'm also not going to pander to you in such a way that is not setting you up for success in the future. So I could be the most positive mentor and boost you up when you need it and give you those transferable life skills. But I'm also going to be a realist. And I'm going to say, I see your potential. I know how good you are. And this is not the best version of yourself. And here's why. And I think that's positive too. You know, I, I think as camp directors, we can do a little bit of it all. I heard someone say once, I wish I could remember who it was so I can quote them directly, but they were talking about how a camp counselor or a camp director is unlike any relationship that a child has or, or a staff member, right? You're kind of scared of your principal. No one really likes their teacher sometimes, and that's a hard <laughs> relationship because they have to give you a grade at the end of every test. Teens aren't open to their parents for all the hormonal reasons that we can talk about for hours. Your sibling when you're in high school bothers you too for all those same hormonal reasons we can talk about for hours. <laughs> but then there's like this camp person who they're not your parent. They're not your principal. They're kind of just this adult in your life who's trying to create an awesome summer experience for you. So I think that's why Gen Z really leans into a really positive relationship with the camp people in their life because there is kind of that lack of authority in a way, because I don't wanna, I don't wanna say that too much because we are still their employer, but I do think we have such an opportunity to mentor them positively and to come down on them when we need to, because we are this like other figure that's like not really a parent, not really a teacher, not really a sports coach. And I think we're really kind of lucky about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But with yeah, great absolutely. power, comes great responsibility, right? I hate, yeah. to, I hate to use that quote. So we, we can't use that mentorship lightly. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I take the mentorship part of my job really seriously every summer. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of how we wanted to wrap up today too, is you know, what are some of the specific things that we can talk about to, to give tips and tricks to, to other camp professionals to, to help address kind of these concerns? And I think hit the nail on the head with one of them is, really using that 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 natural inherent position that we have to mentor our staff to help get them to the next step. Yeah, you know, I think for me, the shift that has worked for me the most, at least in the past two years with the pandemic of it all, is I almost see my staff as campers, Mm -hmm. which might sound like a shocking statement. Nope, but... I've done it the whole time I've been a director. You kind of have All to right, get perfect. into that mentality. Okay. Yeah, they they are my campers. I We are in the business of making fabulous memories for campers and for staff. And I think if you are in the spot where you just want your staff to come up and work and show up every day and bang out a product for you, you're never going to get that product. If you are focused on staff appreciation and staff involvement in activities and getting to know your staff and 
you know, like I, I love at camp when we do like a staff kind of game show where the staff have to compete on stage because I always say it, it checks two boxes. Kids love watching their staff make a fool out of themselves and staff love knowing that their camp is doing something that's really geared towards their fun and giving them a moment to shine. And I think if there's any camp directors listening to this right now and they're saying to themselves, that is such pandering, I'm not doing it. I need them to show up and do a job. They get a paycheck every two weeks. You will truly, with mm -hmm. this generation, never get the product out of your staff that you need. But if you flip the script and see them as another member of your community who are there to have fun, the domino effect of them being happy and then, then serving the product that you need them to serve will happen beautifully. Yeah, I think for me, it's been, especially with our returners or just our, you know, even if they're not returning, just like last year's staff. So it was my first summer here at this, this camp. And for me, it's been a lot of touch points with them, but not scheduled touch points. So I know for some of the staff, it's been just asking them a quick question, whether they're returning or not. Hey, I'm looking for new ideas for our four and five-year-olds and you rocked them with, with them last year what were some things that they really enjoyed so I could, you know, dive back into that. And I think that's really helped because they're organic. I'm not saying, Hey, let's all get together and, and have a, a Christmas party. We tried. It didn't work. Like our staff didn't want to really do that. There wasn't a lot of interest, but we've seen more returners come back later in the game, but we've had those organic touch points. We've also had a phenomenal staff member who, was our program director last year for us seasonally. And she's still on us with full time. She just works in a different department and she had a really good relationship with the staff. And so she's taken it upon herself to just reach out to staff and say, Hey, how you doing? Happy new year. I'll give her credit, Georgia. If you're listening, thank you <laughs> for doing all that because it it's helped. It's having those organic touch points throughout the year that aren't forced, I think has helped a lot too. Yeah, you know, I sometimes jot down things about staff members that I learn during the summer so I could go back to them. So, you know, I have like a file of all my staff and I'll put in the staff, you know, huge New York Jets fan. And I'm a huge New York Jets fan too. And then that's something that I can kind of talk about with that counselor all summer to make it feel like I'm really listening to them and I know things about them. The other thing too, that Kelly, you just kind of, job for me in terms of all these kind of life skills that we're talking about. I think because of the pandemic, I'm going to move away from goal setting this summer. I was you know, thinking I the like same it, thing. <laughs> yeah, I think at, at orientation, we always write, we set goals. What yep. do you want your cameras to say to you on the last day of camp? Or we give them a paper and we say, write your three goals for the summer. We'll hold on to them. Week three, we'll look at them. But then what does it mean if you don't hit that goal? It, did you yeah. fail within the first three weeks? And I think that Gen Z is really in tune to self-evaluation and self-reflection and trajectory. And I, I think that goal setting is a really high pressure icebreaker or, you know, thing to do at orientation because they might be saying to themselves, I didn't hit my goal. And then they think they're not doing a good job. But in reality, they're doing a great job. They just haven't hit that one micro goal that they set before <laughs> camp started. So yeah. I'm going to throw goal setting out for this summer. I just decided that on this podcast with you guys. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Natalie yeah. and I haven't talked about it yet, but I, so I'm working through Dr. G's new book from stress to resilient. We had her on the podcast a few weeks ago and She's great. We, I just got through the chapter on goal setting this weekend. And 
as I was reading through it, like I said, Nat, we haven't talked about this yet, but I was thinking to myself, we're not going to do this this year. We're not going to do this. And one of the goal things that she talks about in her book is setting priorities to work on and having kind of goals around that, but just kind of like to help you focus on your priorities, not so much to set the goal to, you know, get there and to succeed, but to help you focus on your priorities and having like, say, what are your top three priorities this summer that you want to focus on? And what are some things you can do to help you focus on that? And I almost like that direction because then you can self-reflect and we do mid summer and end of summer evals, but I kind of like the idea of doing self-reflection on focus goals as opposed to like true, like let's accomplish these goals. I also think too, during the summer, I see more of a value in like retroactive versus proactive. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'll sit down with a staff member week three and say, what goals have you hit? Or what, what do you think you're getting stronger at based off these three weeks of the summer that you've already been a part of? And then they might be evaluating things that they didn't even know they were going to, Mm -hmm. you know, get stronger in those areas versus week three being like, all right, at orientation, you said that you want to have every kid in your group be best friends and have no clicks. How's that going for you? And then they say, well, these two kids really aren't, you know, involved. And then I say, well, you failed at your goal. You know, like, <laughs> that, like what, what does that do for that staff member? You know, I, I think that because there has been, listen, we can say it nicely. We can say it realistically. The mental health of Gen Z is not in the best place because of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we are the ambassadors of creating safe spaces for them. And I think that goal setting is intense. Like, listen, they they couldn't set goals for two years, right? We had, there's so much decision fatigue and fear of things being canceled that you might've set a goal for yourself. And then you didn't even get to reach that goal because that event was canceled due to COVID, right? So there's, there's a lot of anxiety with Gen Z in terms of, I think that kind of like, it's almost a different type of cancel culture. It's like event cancel culture, right? Like, because they had so much taken away from them that I think almost let them do it first and then talk about the experience that they just had versus talking about a future that might be uncertain. You know, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Cool. Is there anything else that you want to add or mention that didn't get talked about before we wrap up? Sure. You know, I think one final point I can give, and I really feel strongly about this even more now than I did a couple of years ago, is that it is okay to have people on your leadership team or your full-time team that do not interface with the staff. Because I think that Gen Z is so in tune to authentic adult relationships that if you have someone who never interface with them, might not even know their name, but then they swoop in to give like a disciplinary action or maybe even like fire that counselor. That is just not doing a service to that staff member who maybe formed a relationship with the adult or can have a hard conversation with someone they've been working with all summer. I think we're, we sometimes too much as camp directors try to stay in every lane, right? Like, all right, I have the staffing director, but I'm a full-time employee, so I'm going to focus on the staff. Or even for me, like, I don't really work on the operations for my camp. We have an awesome operations director. But I feel like most camp directors would be like, but that doesn't mean that I don't focus on operations all summer because then I'm not really a camp director. But for me during the summer, I don't focus on operations. Mm -hmm. That's not my wheelhouse. So I think for us, especially with Gen Z, is don't throw someone in their face that they haven't been working with all summer because I think 
they'll see right through that. If they have a group leader or a division head, and that's the person they have a good rapport with, and a difficult conversation has to happen, that should be the person doing that difficult conversation, not a random person who kind of just swoops in. I think to me, that's really important. That's an awesome last final point. Well, thank you, Adam. We appreciate you coming on here today. If people want to get in touch with you, what is, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, sure. So you can shoot me an email um, at adam at jefflakecamp.com. I'm also a big social media guy. I do a lot of curating of all, you know, my camp hat, my youth group hat, and my uh, event business hat all through my Instagram page. So you can follow me at Adam Berenker. Um, and maybe like we joked about, maybe we'll DM and, uh, <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll break some boundaries. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Adam. This has been a great episode. I really hope directors uh, who are listening get a lot out of this. I know I did and, you know, decisions were made for the summer through this episode. Exactly. So awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you in a couple weeks.